everybody, and welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here, and I'm joined by Don as usual. We also have returning guest Agile Tablet back once again. And today we're going to be talking about kind of building on a conversation that Tabs and I were having the other night. You know, what motivates rich and powerful people to just constantly be doing bad stuff in the world? It seems like, uh, I don't know, a running theme in human history that as soon as you get some power, you're doing bad stuff, and there's like a lack of like good leadership and stuff in the world. And uh, and also just how like weird and alien those people are to like normal people. So yeah, I don't know. Does who who wants to kick things off here? Any any thoughts on that? Um, so I, I mean, Tom said no one wants to hear about statistics just before we started recording. I guess. <laughs> and uh, um, so I'll, I'll start us off with one. I was looking up that like there's twenty six hundred or more or something like billionaires in the world, which is like uh, seems like a lot of people. I don't know. That just seems like I don't know. It'd be like saying that there's like 2,600 kings in the world or something. Right. I don't know. Just like mm. a lot of, I feel like a lot of them just have so much money now that it's not like they just have no idea what to do with it kind of thing. Yeah. Like there's just like, because if you think about it, like, you know, even at like a few million dollars or maybe more than that even, but like, you know, if you had like $50 million or something, any basic personal thing that you have to worry about is just going to be gone. Right. Like. Anything oh, yeah. like, anything like, you know, your kids will go to the best private schools and they'll have a trust fund maybe or something. And, you know, your house will be big and nice and you might have like a second home and, you know, any, any of the basic consumption sliders will be all the way to the right, basically. All yeah. Right. Kind of stuff. I, like, I was reading something the other day or it was just like some comment someone made that like you could comfortably live off of the interest that is accrued to like three to four million dollars easily like you can live like a middle class lifestyle in the united states off of that mm -hmm. i i can't back that up i don't know i didn't like double check that or anything but like you know let's even like say that maybe you actually need 10 million to do that or something that's like a billion is a lot more than 10 million you know <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so i think it's one of those things where once you're in that position you start to like look around for things to fix in society I think that's part of it. Like, I think that, I think a lot of it is, you know, just trying to maintain your position within your industry or whatever. But I think that a lot of it is also like, okay, now it's my turn to fix other things. And uh, they start to look around and they're like, okay, you know, so they give away a lot to like charity and stuff, but it's also like, you know, they think anything that like makes things better in some like obvious direct way, like, raising taxes and then using it for like spending they might agree with that maybe like a bit but most of them just think that's impossible like it's just not going to work so they start putting all their money into stuff like charter schools or like you know like zuckerberg himself has given like hundreds of millions of dollars to like private schools oh really schools and stuff just yeah and and or even like they'll give it to public systems but like contingent on reforms a lot of the time and yeah. stuff too sometimes mm -hmm. yeah and uh I think I think that's a lot of it where, I don't know, it's become this kind of like fad where people will say, oh, it's like all like a scam, like they're not really giving away money and stuff or like it's it's in their self-interest or something. Are you referring I to the idea that like the only time that very wealthy people engage in philanthropy is for tax purposes? Yeah, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like they and uh, I don't I don't think that's true. I think they really do give away huge amounts of money, a lot of them. Uh, I just think that it's 
almost all of it within this weird logic of like, I've got to be the one that fixes these things. And also like their solutions often get really strange, like, you know, Bill Gates with population control kind of stuff mm -hmm. or like, uh, I think even Zuckerberg and stuff like, you know, they look at like the school systems, in the United States and they say, okay, well, you've got all these schools that just don't work at what they say they're going to do. Right. Like they, lots of kids aren't graduating and they, they not like, you know, the science education is not good enough and all this stuff. And then instead of being like, you know, we can make this public system better. They're like, well, we got to blame the teachers unions for being backwards. And then we put money into these schools to like make it so that like they have to compete against each other or different things. Like, it, I don't know, it's very strange, but I think that's like a really big part of like being rich now is all these weird like groups that service each other and like, you know, have all these like NGO slash charity world things where like they all think of themselves as being like superheroes. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that like, you know, you look at stuff like the Clinton Foundation and that's very obviously like feeding into that kind of thing of like thinking of these rich or powerful pol political people as like, you know, uh, as, as basically like, okay, now the world is a project for us to fix kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to go in a left wing or right wing direction. It can go in any direction, really. It's just that most of the time it's like, uh, I don't know, this weird, it's this weird like thing of like merging like progressive sounding things with this whole like lifestyle of like philanthropy or something. I don't know. Very strange. I mean, yeah, honestly, that's the more relate. That's more relatable than the thoughts I've been having about this stuff lately, because I can, I don't know, I can relate to that. And I, I, I think a lot of people have really stupid ideas about things that would fix the world. It's just, they don't have the means to start implementing them. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, that's almost like endearing in a way. Mm hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think it's one of those things where it reminds me of like the moral reform kind of stuff in the like 19th, early 20th century and stuff where it was like rich people going around doing things like promoting hygiene or clearing tenements mm -hmm. and stuff like thinking that they're the ones that are going to go in and fix the way that other people live or something. And uh, it's it's one of those things where it doesn't have to I think that's the key is that it doesn't have to be negative like it doesn't have to be something that's wholly horrible it's just that their position in the system is blocking so many other positive changes that like it's like almost silly to focus on what the good they do or something kind of thing right like if you look at like all of the horrible things that like Zuckerberg has done politically or whatever in different ways uh, with his platform and stuff or like just you know, just, you know, the huge, uh, just like even just the basic like advertising system, how it all connects together and stuff like, uh, then to go turn around and be like, I'm the one that's going to fix how our schools work or something. It's like, I don't know, it's perverse or something. So, yeah. Yeah. I suppose like once you are in a position of influence like that, you want to maintain that so you you kind of simultaneously want to like promote the the like the reproduction of the system that has put you in the position of power because then you can do good right like yeah. if you lose influence if you aren't a billionaire anymore then you can't do all this good stuff that you see yourself as doing you can't be the superhero anymore it's like uh it's kryptonite and it's also basically playing with like found money like it's like you know 
you if you've got like fifty billion dollars and you give away twenty five billion, uh, those are just numbers at a page on a page at that point, right? Like they're not that has nothing to do with you as a person or anything really. It's just it's totally theoretical money. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it, so you could really do that. You can really give away twenty five billion and and feel like you're the most generous person in the world or whatever. But like, uh, it's not. It has no. You know, it all it is is just social capital basically is it you know it's just it's just transferring numbers on a page to make yourself feel better or better or something so yeah right right yeah uh, yeah it's like you're almost like godlike or something at that point you're just you know above people in terms of this economic stuff which is bizarre because it has nothing no relation to like you know obviously your actual output or anything is just it's just totally imagined world of finance whatever so yeah yeah yeah, I mean, it's funny, like I was listening to this other podcast uh, called War Mode, which I enjoy quite a bit. One of the guys made a really good point about like these rich people and stuff and in terms of like how bizarre their lives must be and stuff. He said that they're basically like retired from birth, you know, yeah. like like they don't have to work. And so that whole experience of the world that I don't know, I would say that working is a pretty dominant factor in the majority of people's lives you know like it's just like a pretty overwhelming fact of life um that's just absent from them and he was sort of thinking about like how when he's driving around and he's in like in a traffic jam or something like that how like mad and like misanthropic and stuff he he feels about all the people around him in that traffic jam and how he just wants to like plow through it and just like you know has like total contempt for all these people when he's frustrated like that. Mm -hmm. And he was just kind of thinking about like how rich people must feel that way about all the, all like working people all the time. Like they're just yeah. in the way they're making demands, causing problems They're, You know, they live in places where you could put some development or whatever, you know, like all this kind of stuff is just like in the way, of course they took this in the direction of like, and that's why they're, introducing the vaccine which is going to sterilize people and depopulate the globe and all that kind of stuff so sure yeah take that for what you will but i know <laughs> i thought that point was interesting like how yeah. much hate for just uh like normal people just kind of like a default have. sense of contempt as your like normal operating you know state <laughs> yeah it be because like you said you're retired from birth like you're in that state of mind from the very beginning and you have and nothing ever takes you out of that. You're just always like annoyed at people year after year constantly. And it must just be like this insane level of hatred that they have for, for people. One thing that I've been thinking about recently is I, I feel a, a bit, not super, but a bit nihilistic about our chances of coming out on top in terms of climate change because I keep seeing like evidence everywhere of how the systems seem designed to not allow certain types of positive changes to thrive. Like I, I always wonder like when it comes to renewable energy and, and, you know, we can argue the pros and cons of various forms of renewable energy, but I've always felt like what is stopping us from like going whole hog into some of these industries because there are ways to make money in these like there's nothing in them that is inherently like 
egalitarian <laughs> um, yeah. in terms of access to technology and land and, you know, even if it's something like wind or, or sun, like, you know, there are there is unequal access depending on where you are in the world, especially when it comes to the technology for harnessing it. So I was like, what is it that makes, I, I don't know, it just, <laughs> I kept seeing, like, there was a, a, a company I came across that was, I think they were like a, like a contractor that installed large solar like photovoltaic cell projects, I guess, like not just home projects, but you know, big ones for like in a field or whatever. And mm -hmm. the 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 copy on their website was funny because it was like, well, if we are gonna have to go sustainable, at least it could be American made and and yeah. stuff like that. I just thought that was like a funny tone. And then I came across another company that. Um, was uh they I, I think they were like some venture capital project that had um gotten fully funded with their seed money and stuff like that and their whole thing was making robots that would tend to solar farms and cut down vegetation that's threatening to um overgrow the cells that collect the solar energy mm -hmm. um and, you know, someone made a comment that was like, oh, maybe you could make your robots be able to sense bird nests on the ground before they destroy them or something like that to or like yeah. to avoid them. And I don't know. It it just made me think about how, like, it doesn't seem like uh, like all of these industries, um, whether or not they are, you know, sort of. Uh, naturally like this or if people have to build it in it seems like you know there's there's a desire to build in um, redundancies and inefficiencies just so that people can still have a chance to make money off of them like how pharmaceutical companies can't make medications that are too effective um, because then they render themselves obsolete if they like take out the disease that they were trying to take out it just that's that's kind of what get gets me into this like slightly hopeless state about um how we are going to behave moving forward because it seems like every everything that could go right the incentive structure is too fucked up to uh allow anyone to actually do something that is going to really be good it, like in a big general sense like good for all people or good for this biome or you know something like that it just seems mm -hmm. I don't know it just seems like perverted from the outset and I was wondering yeah. about something you were saying earlier the idea of like wealthy people who really want to um, reform and see themselves as like a positive vector of change in the world. I was just wondering if that was, is that how wealthy and powerful people always were? Like before we had these enormous scales that people could make one decision in one place and have repercussions in among billions of people all around the globe within a week? You know, like that's a that's a totally different scale than people had in the past. But I'm wondering if there's a a cultural attitude also at play because, like, did 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 very wealthy, very powerful people throughout history also see themselves as like custodians of the entire of their entire domain? Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah. Like I just um, I just don't know if that's true. Yeah, I think that uh there's there's probably a few competing things. Like so first of all, like for I think for most of history, the rich people and the political people were the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it you know, any sort of political thing they did was also, you know, like in a feudal system or something, it was the rich people who were also were the ones just deciding what anything had to do in the society. So it just sort of naturally would flow that they thought that they were the ones in charge because they were kind of thing. Mm. Right? But like in, I think in capitalism, you did see, especially once people became getting like fortunes and stuff, yes. like they did put a lot towards, you know, some sort of improvement or something like you saw, you know, like the Carnegie's or mm. um, all of these things, like a lot of them like starting universities or libraries or you know, stuff like that. A lot of it related to education because it's that idea that mm-hmm. social uplift comes from education or something mm-hmm. like that. So I think that's true. One thing that you were, one thing that I was thinking about the while you were saying about like, you know, the a sort of negative opinion about like what is going to happen for climate change and stuff. Um, I think that part of the problem for me is that I had like a, for many years, I, I think I kind of followed the general left idea on this in the early 2000s to mid 2000s or so where it was this idea that like well oil is so finite a resource that we're just going to run out of it basically mm. you know and therefore we would be forced to shift over to some other system even if we didn't want to or something mm-hmm. you know it was basically this idea that like you know we could debate either way about climate change but eventually we're going to have to get rid of you know oil is just going to get more and more expensive. So it makes sense to, uh, you know. To transition to a different uh, industry. Transition. But what's happened in the last 10 years or so is that dirtier sources of oil and stuff like that, yeah. like like uh, other sources of oil have, at least at times, not always, but like at least at times have become much more accessible. Like all the offshore drilling in the United States and stuff and all the fracking, fracking and all that kind of stuff. tar sands. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, it, it's not. I'm not even sure that it like ended that overall trajectory. That like someday of we're course. gonna have to, you know. Yeah. But it it did create this blip where we're not talking about this it, in the same urgency in terms of a transition from oil. Yeah. For any re for any reason other than climate change. Right. And uh, that makes it harder, I think, for people to see it as like a immediate problem because it's like. Uh, I feel like it's still abstract for a lot of people. It's still like, uh, you know, it's still this thing that is is future oriented or something in a way that like politicians aren't even solving current problems or something like that. So it's kind of like that's true. You know, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a uh, I don't know. I I have seen more and more talk of it at least in Canada in the last few years. Like the liberals are in power now in Canada and they've been doing a lot like. Really, really, like, uh, at least what they say they're going to do is a lot more radical than it would have been 10, 20 years ago. Like, hmm. like in 2000, I think it was, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, it was like 2008 election or something, maybe in, in Canada, uh, where the liberals were promising something like a $40 a ton carbon tax as after like getting in power for like, you know, five years or whatever, you know, it would, it would eventually get to that point. I think that like the carbon charge that they're planning 
in the next 10 years or something like that, it, it like to ramp it up to, it's already in place, but what ramped it up to would be something like $270 a ton or mm. something, which is very, very heavy. It's a very, that is a substantial tax. Like that's a lot of money. So I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I have no idea if it's like, I don't think it's probably commensurate with like the scientific goal, you know, yeah. like of like limiting it to minus two per, I mean, under 2% or whatever that theoretical goal is still. But, like, uh, it is interesting to see at least that, like, there's going to be a lot more money, I think, flowing around those sectors for looking for alternatives. Although, I think a lot of it is still going to be in this idea that, like, you know, they're not going to want to just do immediate transition stuff. They're going to want to do, like, long shot hope kind of things, you know, or, like, low-hanging fruit things, but not definitely actually, you know. Yeah, low-hanging so. fruit for sure. I, I just mm-hmm. feel like there's a lot of... Um, I, 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 it's, it's hard to quantify something like global volition. So, you know, I, 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 it's, it's hard to, for me to say with any specificity, you know, anything about, about these attitudes, but it does seem like they're like the fact that the, well, two parts, one, that the scientific consensus is, has gotten stronger and stronger over the years to the idea of like climate change exists. It's real. It's happening too fast. We've got to slow it down. I don't think that you really find a ton of people who are like ideologically dead set against that. I think you might find people who say uh, it's not quite that bad. We don't know how to measure these things or things like the low hanging fruit stuff. Like, you know, we can do mitigating measures for a while and, and that kind of stuff. But I don't really think you find the same at least I don't know to me it seems like they're the same level of denialism that was around in like the 80s and 90s doesn't really seem as strong and I think part of that is because we can start we've started to see the effects of climate change like with hurricane season and you know other forms of like extreme weather um, drought and stuff like that like that's not going to be deniable for Mm -hmm. you know like (laughs) so that's that's kind of why I'm like you know, e- even if we go to just crappier, less efficient forms of fossil fuel energy, like I, we know that that's not going to like sure. at some point, it's probably just like even if it gets us by for a time, it's not going to be the solution in the end. But um, I was talking to Tom yesterday about this is kind of where I was going with the thing that I was uh, saying about people who view it as like they almost have a utopian project wealthy people who you know want to to change things for the better the reason i was asking about that is because i was wondering if it was the influence of utopian thought that's why i was saying like did people 500 1000 1500 years ago think about these things in the same way because it does seem a little bit more uh like a utopian project sometimes and i also was wondering the thing I was talking to Tom about yesterday was I'm going to say this word wrong. I know I can spell it, but <laughs> millenarianism um, mm-hmm. that that I was wondering if if that idea of like the fact that uh, the end is nigh and we live for today because the end could come at any second. I was wondering if that attitude also had played a part in why the world has undergone industrialization the way that it has like like could it have gone a different way like if a different ideology had been 
you know, part of that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of bopping all over the place. I apologize. But I, I, I'm just kind of wondering how ideology of these people matters and like to what extent it matters uh, in terms of where we find ourselves today and where we might go tomorrow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone yeah, has answers I mean, for that. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, we don't, but we can just kind of <laughs> share our thoughts. Um, my thinking on the whole idea of like, did pre-modern elites have the same sense of like custodianship over their societies and their domain and stuff. And, and, but specifically for a utopian reason, like I know that there's yeah. like, there are ideas of what's that term. That's it's a French term for like, um, Oh, the noblesse oblige, you know, right. like, mm-hmm. like the, the, you know, it's your job to, to create a few good things for, for the, the peons and that kind of stuff. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. Right. You're right. So yeah, like, like you're pointing to that I, that concept, I, I think that did exist. I, I think the idea of it being like a utopian project is a newer thing. Yeah, I, I think people in those days saw it more as like, like the idea of like a natural order of things and all of that was much more prevalent, at least in a in a public sense. I think a lot of like of, of modern elites still think that way, but it's probably less. Uh, they know better than to talk about that to people. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that did exist and there were different ideas about what it meant to fulfill your duties as a custodian. You know, I think there was less a sense of, of like, it's my wealth. It's, it was more like, um, I don't know, like, like maintaining order rather than mm-hmm. directing the trajectory of, pro- of like this inevitable progress yeah yeah you know i know what you mean like the difference between i, I guess just like directional versus like sta- static right yeah yeah yes yeah, so I, th- I think that's a key thing yeah fair enough yeah the closest thing i can think of is like uh like a holy crusade to retake the holy land or mm-hmm. something like that kind of thing it's like a giant society-wide effort to direct yourself towards this giant project or something mm. like that kind of thing you know what mm-hmm. i mean like a i don't know and we we i mean obviously that's in english that's one of the words we use the most to describe these kinds of like major reforms or something it's like a crusade or something mm-hmm. you know to do that so i don't know that's a, that's the only thing i was thinking yeah. of uh about that like um i do think that you know tom and i have talked before about he took a course once on uh technocracy uh. and the sort of like thinking around that of like in modernist kind of thinking of we can solve the problems of society sure. by directing to- technology towards it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think that's that's part of it is, is nowadays at least that this this idea that like tech of some kind can resolve sure. ancient contradictions and stuff. And you can kind of – I think that I think that is even probably the default political – view of sort of the elites where it's like you know we will be able to marshal technology to solve these problems in a way that we don't understand now so we don't have to Mm. we don't have to adjust ourselves completely yet because you know uh i think that's called like cornucopianism or something like that Ah. it's like we'll we'll get to that point when we you know we cross that bridge when we get to (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and uh and i think that the part of the you know, the more economic view on that is that they try to justify it with it is that it's basically like it's cheaper to worry about it in the future because like say say like twenty years ago we did a massive 
conversion to solar or something. Well, solar's gotten a lot better in the last 20 years. So it's like we would have oh, done something extremely we expensive. We spent all this time on an inefficient technology and stuff like stuff that. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's how they, you know, rationalize it. But I was also thinking when you were saying that, though, that like uh, stuff about um, like in Canada, one of the ways that the debate has gone is it's kind of strange where um, a lot of the politicians that are defending, you know, that, that, defending you know traditional kind of industry like canada in a lot of ways is like resource extraction is like a major yeah it's like probably like one of the largest industries overall just like you know just mm-hmm. it's just huge you know stuff like lumber and oil and uh different types of minerals and stuff mm-hmm. so um uh, a lot of those politicians that are are defending that sort of traditional industry and stuff are the same ones that are saying we need to get ready for climate change. We need to invest all this money in that. Mm-hmm. And they seem like they're kind of stuck in a tough, tough place because like even even in Alberta, like it, it was ruled by for about four or five years, it was ruled by uh, a reformist kind of like social democratic party that had was elected on a quite a left-wing platform and uh, immediately became intertwined with the oil industry to sure. like an embarrassing degree. Yeah. And- like uh, Trudeau nationally, he he uh, he basically took the side of uh, you know building a giant pipeline down to the United States, or across sorry also across to uh, BC so that mm-hmm. uh, you know have a port in the Pacific where they could sell the oil from uh, Alberta from uh, cheaper. Right, and uh, he went to the the extent of basically nationalizing that pipeline, like buying mm. it off the company. To commit to that project, basically, mm. to say we're 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 committed to this project, but it might not be viable from capitalist perspective in case you know because of like you know all the environmental reviews and all these things. So he's like, but we're so committed to the oil industry that we'll spend. I think it was like maybe like five billion dollars or something. That's wow. a lot of money. Yeah, and uh, just to do that, so he defends the oil industry in that to that extent, even though everyone in Alberta hates him and thinks he's like trying to destroy the oil industry and <laughs> yeah. stuff. Just because there's certain things about capitalism that become, at least for a certain moment or something, become like non-negotiable, basically. Yes. Like, we we can't get rid of the, the oil industry because it's just so much at stake. Yeah. And politically and economically and stuff. And I think that's where we're still at for a lot of these things, where it's like, it basically, if, they're, if you raise them amongst rich people, uh, they just think you're being stupid. Like, they don't even think that, like, it's like a... It's it's not really even a debate to them. They're just they basically are saying, well, we know we have to do this because otherwise we'll just we'll be basically vetoed by capital in different ways. So yeah, I think that's a lot of it for these people that they think of themselves as basically saying, especially like the rich people themselves, they see themselves as being like pragmatic, pragmatic, but also yeah, like that that they have these like hard lines that they think are just impossible to do beyond that oh like, i see what that you mean even even bringing that up like yeah would just make you kind of silly in their mind so and that sort of like reasonableness like being like oh you have to be reasonable here you have to be like you know that is really really the the limit of the it, impediment where, yeah yeah they can do positive things here and there but there's certain things that they won't go beyond because yeah of how you know how much is at stake and i think that's a lot of it for rich people like They'd be willing to, you know, if you got fifty billion dollars, they might give away twenty five billion, 
but they're not going to give away 50 billion. Right. They're not going to give away right. everything. Yeah. They wouldn't give away maybe even 49 billion or something, right? They they do it in a way that maintains their social position yes. or something. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And and the and the systems that be, I guess, because Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's kind of why I have been feeling that frustration because I I keep coming up against that in everything. It feels like any anything that could mm-hmm. uh help and I I'm not a tech solutions kind of person. But even even just within that in within those confines it just really seems like I just keep coming up against those <laughs> those bumper walls, you know. <laughs> and sure. and it, it it makes it hard to feel any sort of hope about the future. But uh, I I wonder also if there, you know, the, the, those sorts of limits of capital are kind of like what you were saying. Like they they feel a bit self imposed sometimes. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's limited by like the imagination of the people who are holding the reins of the capital. You know, um, yeah. and and it does seem like you know there's there's all these sorts of like stochastic change that happens like industrially uh, as well as other types. So you. You have to think that at some point, some of these changes are just going to happen, like no matter what, mm-hmm. if, if people want them to or not. But they always seem to just happen in ways that aren't moving in the direction of like helping. <laughs> and like, it, it, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it's just felt very, I don't know. It definitely makes you, it reminds you of, of being power, of what you're, <laughs> the sure. fact that you're powerless, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, but the other thing is just like the people, the wealthy people who do have imagination uh, also seem to be insane, like um, like <laughs> yeah. like Peter yeah. Thiel or something like that. Sure. Like you were talking about that kind of. He's a sponsor of the show. So let's keep it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Like you're talking about that, um, that cornucopianism or, or whatever it, yeah. it might be called. He now he is someone who actually is being proactive about like, well, you know, climate change is going to happen. So what I'm going to do is build a bunker and then hold conferences about how are we going to pay people to protect our lives against roving gangs if money doesn't exist anymore. Like he's being very proactive, you know, about that kind of stuff. And I, I feel like behind the scenes, a lot of powerful people are like that insane. Like they just have yeah. all sorts of very bizarre ideas about what what goodness is and how to help. And like, uh, I don't know, Tom and I were talking about, um, you know, what else is new? We we're talking about MKUltra. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, it just seems like a lot of these, uh, these covert kind of um, operations that have happened within the U.S. And, and outside of the U.S., but like, you know, with the CIA specifically, I guess we're talking about. It's like who who is greenlighting finding mentally ill people to train to give weapons training to and then like set them loose? Like why is that still happening? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not me. That's not my job. <laughs> <laughs> no sir. But it's just so strange. Like why that's that's the that's the power that you have. Someone somewhere has the power to say like I think this is what's good for this agency because xyz and and it's like 
it's to trick people into being Satanists or something. Like, it's just so <laughs> yeah. weird. Why is it yeah. all so insane? All of these things that that are like kind of happening in the backdrop. I know you guys have talked a lot about these kinds of things on the show before. So where is the volition coming from there? Like, you know, you, you're talking about wealthy donors, maybe not having the imagination to, to, to shift to a different form of energy, but then you have people being like psychic vampires, you know, like it, it's very strange. Yeah. I don't know. How do we explain that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think one, one thought I have about that is that these people see themselves like they think they're the smartest kid in the room, you know? They yeah. think they're so much smarter than everybody else and everyone else is like so dumb for believing the things they believe. And the fact that they're in positions of power and authority is it's it's proof, proof for of them. That. Yeah. So their most bizarre ideas like MK Ultra and stuff is all like a lot of that is based in this. It, it does have like progressive or like a, a, in its own view is a positive thing in that it's like we can re-engineer people. Right. You know, and yeah. there's, you know, there's a, there's ways that that's been utilized to like, you know, like to train like hypnotized assassins and all, you know, all that <laughs> yeah. kind of weird stuff. Yeah. But like the, the way that it's promulgated at large is through this idea of like, you know, we have the knowledge and the science and all this kind of stuff to reshape humanity. That's true. In a better way. Again, like a, a weird, we like, like <laughs> i just it's like I, a faustian thing you know that's basically what it is i i was just laughing at myself because i was gonna say it's like utopian but very sinister and then i invented <laughs> the word dystopian in my head <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 we were we were watching that uh son of sam documentary of on sam. netflix right sons of sam because it's uh it, it's exploring the theory that there were multiple killers and stuff and like the satanic cult behind it and all that i thought it's pretty good for a netflix documentary it's it's uh all based on uh maury terry's work which is pretty cool i've heard about him on ed opperman before so i was like wow this is not just like a complete limited hangout i mean we'll see i'm sure the last episode is is gonna kind of you know i was saying not... that tom all of the netflix stuff that there there have been like quite a number of these specials that kind of like reinvestigate old true true crime stuff um mm -hmm. that that are specifically related to things like mk ultra and um other other like weird sinister stuff like that and they never they never go the full monty or I, okay i don't know what the full monty actually means i'm sorry if i'm misusing <laughs> that yeah. um but they they never actually take the plunge and say um yes it was actually the u.s government doing this the end they yeah. they always go oh could it be and i guess we'll never know so yeah or it's like what a strange thing that happened how odd yeah like yeah. like in, in this one in the in you know <laughs> Tom and I kept giving each other these like dark glances while while we were watching because um they well, would you, just like, called it before like yeah. you were like oh I bet there's an army base up there and then like literally seconds later it's like yep and there's an air force base and that's where this murder happened and yeah like, oh okay yeah but like the funny thing is they're not the way that they're editing it is they mention those things very incidentally they don't say 
and there was a military base nearby. Like, get it, audience? They're not doing that. They're just saying it as though, like, we're setting a scene here. So it was it was in this town. There was an Air Force base nearby. This was the weather at the time. Da-da-da-da-da. You know, like, yeah, uh, yeah. so it's almost like a little, I don't know, is it a dog whistle to the to the tinfoil hat crowd? You know, like, it, where, like, we know what it means that there was an army base nearby. But, um to to your average true crime fan probably not 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 putting those pieces together mm-hmm. yeah what a coincidence a satanic cult inside an army base a bunch of murders happen connected to serial killers hmm that's just what a strange thing that has you know happened several times over the course of this decade when the <laughs> you know the cia was distributing lsd to undermine the counterculture hmm what a what a coincidence yeah it just happens again yeah. and again so I don't know. That's that's also where my mind was going where I was like, okay, we're we're really mishandling climate change and then everyone who seems to want to do anything about anything in the world is also crazy. So what like <laughs> where, where are we going? Like how can we how can we do good in this world in a meaningful way? Sure. <laughs> are those like Netflix produced or are they like the actual Netflix documentaries or are they just on there i have to look that up but i believe yes they are i think all the true crime ones are netflix produced and not just yeah, netflix uh, as the platform mm-hmm. yeah at the very least they're made for netflix well like, right but but there is a difference between uh you know like where they get their funding from and stuff like that right yeah well that's a good point I just, I just think that they have to go through like teams of lawyers and stuff like that too, sure. right? Like to, they have to like do everything. And I think that, I think that is their thing. They just like hint at things, but I don't know if it's intentional or not, but, but yeah, like I think that that's part of it is just that this idea yeah. that like, I, I feel like uh, Amazon Prime has a lot of the ones that just directly point at things, but oh, like really? are like really, really low budget, <laughs> r- low quality kind of things that are just like, uh, I don't know, like... Uh, moon men kind of stuff i don't mm. know like it's uh, jeff bezos is like youtube playlist with, <laughs> yeah. like, 2 a.m tinfoil hat playlist yeah i think it's a lot easier to get on prime i think that's part of it like it's less curated so it's like mm. uh there's like hundreds and hundreds of uh horror movies and stuff that get made I, is, for prime. is it sort of the same as amazon is for publishing like where you can just do stuff yourself like they just provide a platform but if you want to like write an ebook go for it is it the same thing with these movies it's not at that level i don't think but it's it's very close it's like mm. uh, i think it has to be like a it, it's it's curated like it, it's i think it's amazon paying for you know like it's being part of the platform but i don't think that i think it's very easy to get in mm. there the, yeah, the bar like is I, low well i mean the all the horror movies and stuff are made by like professional companies and all the documentaries and stuff but they're just extremely low quality and extremely low production values and stuff a lot of them yeah to the point where it's it is it's one of those things where it's like it's not unprofessional to the point where it's like a random person basically self-publishing the public movie access on there. yeah yeah it but it is uh it's it's pretty close yeah. <laughs> so mm. um anyway so you know, I was just thinking about like the idea of like a good elite or someone who like has good ideas or whatever in power. I think like the closest thing that we have to that, which is, is going to sound weird, but I think it's someone like Elon Musk. Like he's oh, doing, no. 
Well, <laughs> no, no. Just hear me out. Like I'm not. Tr- I I don't think he's actually good, but just like okay. If we were to have some kind of super capitalist guy who was actually trying to save the planet, I think he's the closest thing we have to that. Which shows that that is not a system that we can rely on to do any good. (laughs) Right. That's exactly my point. Yeah. Okay. So, like, he's trying to do, like, electric cars. He has these, like, huge super batteries that he wants to use as, like, energy reservoirs and stuff. He has these ideas of, like, let's nuke Mars to mine there, you know, mine that way instead of mining the Earth. Like, these are all things that, in theory, sound like preferable to just doing things the way we're doing it right and i think that's actually like a big part of why he's got such like a fan following is because he has Mm. these like he thinks big in this way and he kind of thinks beyond like we need to have solutions to the way we do things that are like better you know we can't keep doing things the way we're doing i I think he's kind of along those lines but now obviously like there's huge like he's largely a con man you know he all of his ideas are kind of like they're presented in that way to like attract funding and to drive up Tesla stock and stuff like that's his real purpose. It's yeah. not, he's not actually seeking to like better the world really. So, uh, you know, I mean, comparing him to Peter Thiel, I think I would take Musk, you know what I mean? But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Rock in a hard place. Yeah. I like that. These, these are not the saviors, you know, yeah. that's not how it's going to look like. So, um, um yeah and it's just like you know these kind of like weird bizarre ideas they have they're super risky this is the stuff that works for people like that like it's kind of the reason that they are in the position that they are in many cases because they like took a chance on some stupid idea that worked out you know yeah yeah i don't know that kind of reminds me of some stuff i was thinking about before i talked about this before but like related to the clinton foundation stuff is also like I think that the, I think really the model of this at like a global scale is what they call like Nelson Mandela Inc. kind of stuff. Like where it's like they, he, his whole image has been turned into this, um, you know, like fundraising thing for a lot of different projects. And he, uh, in a lot of ways in his later years and stuff became this almost, you know, elder statesman to the extreme kind of thing of just like this person that was seen almost as like a saint or something that yeah just went around the world and stuff and there was a lot of money involved in that around that mm-hmm. and uh and but what interests me about that is you know and i think is is stuff like i think a lot of politicians see themselves that way in different ways like i think that bill clinton especially does like sees himself as like this peacemaker person that tried to fix the world in all these different ways like was worried about a lot of things before other people. I think a lot of the different politicians see themselves in that kind of mode. Like they see themselves as this figure that is somehow progressive. Like it's on the right side of every issue, you know, most of them at least, but is not, it's not like stupid enough to be radical or something. Is that, Mm. is that kind of like, you know, that's what they're thinking. They're like, I'm this kind of person, but in a way that completely meshes with being wealthy and completely meshes with certain people being able to make decisions and other people not. And I think that a lot of that Obama is a good example of that too. Yeah. That attitude of like, are you fucking crazy? Like, no, that's not going to work. We're going to stick to this. 
Yeah. And uh, basically like dream big, but don't dream too big in too big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that like Nelson Mandela's like presidency of South Africa, like uh, after 1994 and stuff is, is a good example of that kind of thinking in a lot of ways, because uh, you know, in the, in like the seventies and or whatever, like, you know, like in, during apartheid, one of the big fears of like ANC and all that stuff was this idea that, okay, they're going to get into power. They're going to settle their scores by just killing a bunch of white leaders. Mm -hmm. They're going to, they're going to take over all of the farms and stuff and just empty them of their current owners and stuff and just, you know, nationalize all the industry, all the mines and stuff. And, and basically, you know, they, they were always comparing it to Cuba or something that they say that they're, the ANC says they're not communist, but they're in, even though they're in coalition with communists and stuff. And, and it was, that was like a very, very central right wing cause mm -hmm. for many years in the eighties and stuff. And, you know, when Nelson Mandela took power, his first kind of steps were, you know, admit that things bad were bad before, like, you know, like be honest about that in different ways. But he really, really pushed for, uh, you know, peace between uh, the white and black populations kind of thing. Like that was like one of his big kind of drives. And in a way that like kept a lot of the basic structures of capitalism in place. Yeah. And the thing that happened very, almost very quickly was uh, the IMF gave South Africa um, giant loans to kind of bail them out mm -hmm. a couple times and imposed just like giant cuts on them in different things, like just huge cuts on all different types of programs, privatizing a bunch of things like the power system and all this stuff, like really getting yeah. uh, brutal. But when Nelson Mandela was in power, he had a lot of the people in his party were very left-wing people. Obviously, obviously, people had been fighting for years and years yeah. for things that were like even people that had been members of the Communist Party. Nelson Mandela himself had been a member of the Communist Party secretly. And so he would also do things like countermeasures constantly. So, you know, they would have these things like where uh, they would be making all these cuts and things. And then he would invest a lot uh, in like, say, an education program or... They would undo a reform that people didn't like or whatever. Like, it was a lot of, like, moves back and forth. So, it had this strange thing of being, like, he was, like, you know, he did a lot of things that were, like, social democratic, but it was within this framework of austerity. Yeah. And I think that is, like, the model politician of the last, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. At least on that, thing on that like, side, yeah. Where it's, like, it's keeping the basic system in place, doing stuff like affirmative action and stuff, and and different social welfare programs. But within the context of people's power prices going through the roof and people getting cut off from power or, you know, all these different things that, they, that had happened to them. And uh, I think that people like, I mean, it's it's the same people in the IMF that were working for Clinton and stuff that mm -hmm. were doing these things, right? Like it's a, it's all the same group of people. Yep. And I think they, they look at that as a perfect kind of a, model a good almost thing. of, yeah. yeah, like, like of these people being able to do things that make people feel good about the possibility of change, but frozen within a model that is just getting worse and worse for a lot of people. Yeah. So, yep. um, the, the reason why anyway, I, I kind of went on for a while there, but the, the reason why I think it's important is that it's very easy for people to actually do things that 
make people's lives better as a politician uh, to some extent, but it's just within the context that's so horrible that, you know, it's like, like right now people in the United States, a lot of them are being like, wow, Biden's a lot more progressive than I thought he would be and stuff and going on and on about how Biden is some, one of the most progressive presidents in history and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, but the, the reason why people are able to say that is just because the basic situation underneath it is just so horrible yeah. that it's like, uh, it's, it's just, it's just like, especially for, if we're looking at like worldwide, right? Not like just, uh, yeah. United States, but if you're looking at like, you know, how many hundreds of millions of people can't like, just don't have access to food or stuff like that. Right. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a very, very troubling kind of thing. Cause yeah. if, if it like, is that the, the terminus for left-wing politics at this point <laughs> yeah. where you're just, you, even if you can do something good, like, like sincerely good, it's within this framework that you can't break out of. So, yep. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, when we discussed this as the topic for today, I was wondering when the IMF would come up. I was like, yeah. well, you know, because because for like, I don't care about individual rich people. I, I I'm yeah. talking more about the, the like what you're what you're getting at right now. Um, but yeah, that that it's it's that same feeling that I was trying to <laughs> trying to uh, to um, describe earlier with the 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 feeling of like everything good being bounded by a bigger system that is dooming us to to failure or or like to destitution or something like that it's that same thing that that you were talking about where it's like well you you might be able to accomplish a good thing that that uh helps some people but it's within the framework of a political system that is still hurtling off the edge you know mm-hmm yeah, I yeah. often feel like people like Bernie or whatever, like that kind of style of left politics, they're like addressing these sort of like issues that have come up very recently. And like if you like rewind like 10 years, like those problems weren't really there. And so like the things that they offer is like, oh, this is so such a radical solution to the, the I mean, it's it's obviously it's good to like try to solve problems that we have now, mm-hmm. but it just shows like the trajectory is just very bad. <laughs> like we're just, yeah. you yeah. know, like it, it, it's just not heading in a good way at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's also why I think that like radical change is almost more likely than <laughs> solid, good left-wing change. Yeah, just I could on, see why like, you'd a more say moderate that. pace. Yeah. Because it's like, uh, you know, if you've got these giant, systems that are set up to veto anything good that happens you have to be able to get over you have to override the veto somehow you have to be able to change it or else you're just going to be paralyzed and uh, i i think i think that's the misleading thing to a lot of people where that that was really in post-war europe in a lot of western europe that was the thing that people faced was very quickly the reforms that were good were being put in place as concessions yes within a system that was still overall capitalist and imperialist and all this stuff, you know, people are are looking at it from the perspective of like a long-term thing. They're going, okay, well, if we accept this concession now, they could have a counterattack and, you know, take it away later. But if, if you're, if we're paralyzed, you know, and, and frozen into the system, then we're just never going to get where we want to go. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not like, uh, I, I feel like it's very easy 
like I could imagine something where like a left wing coalition wins in the United States somehow in the next 10 years or something and like starts doing really, you know, like solid reforms, like expanding Medicare a lot or something, you know, like mm-hmm. stuff that stuff that solves some basic things that, you know, people are worried about or something. But it's in with, it's within the context of not actually addressing so many other things. Yeah. That it's like, it's just, uh, again, it's just, it's just a concession. So, yeah. 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 And, you know, you mentioning the, if we accept these reforms, they could get taken away at some future point. And that's exactly what happened. And, and now we're in arguably a worse position than, than they were. Um, yeah. With these, with these uh, institutions extremely entrenched at this point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people's war. Yeah. Yep, that's we're we're all Mao Maoist third worldists now. So, sure. Just yep. just saying that to the audience, you might want to jump on board. Yep. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um. Actually, uh, yeah. I guess because uh, I think we're we're pretty much we've expended that topic. But I'll I'll, uh, I'll 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 update people that I saw that like uh, uh, the Maoists in Canada who I had gone to a few of their meetings and stuff to just learn about them and stuff, whatever. But like, uh, they have like a small organization in Toronto that, and another one in Vancouver that what they've been doing is like spray painting everything and like spray painting like middle schools and stuff oh, or like, or really? like high schools. And it's like, it's with like slogans that are like, uh, you know, raise the red flag for revolutionary thought or something like that, you know, like <laughs> stuff like that. Like it's, it's, it's like basically like, Slogans from 1967 or something <laughs> like that, kind of thing. and uh, uh, b- build the reconstitution of the Communist Party of Canada on revolutionary grounds or something like that. Wow. Stuff like that, like you know, just just like that. And uh, they're like trying to start this new militant movement or whatever, and because there was a lot of like divisions over the last few years for various reasons. But like, so they're uh, trying to reunify what once was like a coalition or something. Well, they're 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 fine being divided, but like they, <laughs> they said, they, they're they're trying to launch like a people's war in Canada. Oh, okay. And, uh, and uh, anyways, the the thing that I thought was funny from like a left wing train spotting perspective was that, well, number one, that they messaged me thanking me for retweeting their stuff, which I thought was <laughs> pleasant, as if like I don't know, I'm like I'm not really I don't know. I'm not, not on your side here, really, but like uh, they, uh, the other thing was that they, they, this like group, I, I have no idea. It's probably like less than a dozen people or something, but like they, uh, they said that they are supporters of a uh, Gonzalo thought, which is, uh, mm. the guy, uh, from Peru who is like the leader of the shining path. Oh my gosh. And, uh, and so they're like everything that they spray paint is like with gonzolo thought everywhere and stuff and i don't know i find that really funny because it's like you know they just it's like begging for a master theorist or something they're like (laughs) we need some master theorists we're gonna go with gonzolo (laughs) and uh and i don't know i really like that i like that uh i don't know and and, dude the funny thing is too is that like if i sat down with them and we talked in like plain language instead of just like the thing I would probably agree with them on like more than yeah. most other groups yeah, in Canada yeah. of like, of like, yeah, you're not going to be able to do it this way. You're not going to be able to do that, whatever. And uh, so I always have like sympathy for that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like, uh, 
I, I think it's so funny that like they're spray painting middle schools. <laughs> and uh, it became like a news t- topic because, well, number one, anytime that like, obviously if you're doing some sort of spray painting campaign everywhere, you're going to get on the news eventually. But like they, uh, they were spray painting stuff like death to Zionism and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like di- different things about, which then got like uh, the Jewish rights organizations and stuff, you know, involved because they were like anti-Semitic graffiti is being spray painted oh, everywhere. And then they were like, you know, and they were like, actually death to Zionism is not anti-Semitic and stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, but like, come on, <laughs> 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 you know, you're, you're going to get in trouble if you're doing stuff like that. If you're spray painting like middle schools and stuff like <laughs> yeah i mean well they know they know their target market at least i guess yeah (laughs) yeah Um, it just it makes sense that i mean if i were i don't know if i if i were uh really into anti-zionism i would probably like i understand the idea of like wanting to have a platform to explain why anti-zionism is not anti-semitism but uh but as you said middle schools <laughs> like you yeah. you know you know you're you're not going to you know you know what's coming <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think what the the last part of it. oh yeah yeah so the uh the other thing that was great about it was that they were spray painting um you know they were doing the slogan and then they were spray painting do you know what linktree is linktree it's like that web yeah linktree it's like a website where uh, you go there and it gives gives you all of the different types of platforms you have. Like, you know, like your, your it, it'll tell you what their Facebook is, what their Instagram oh, is, what their okay. thing. Okay. So the spray painting said like link tree. Go to here. <laughs> slash. Yeah. <laughs> revolutionary student movement or whatever. Uh-huh. So I thought that was funny. It was like. It was like it'd be like having like a bitly whatever, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like a, I don't know. Just the idea of being like, uh, yeah. And I think that part of it is that it's like stable, so that like you can, if you like get deleted off Facebook, you can mm. link people to your new Facebook. That makes sense. Or something. Yeah. So it's like stable. And uh, so, but it's funny because it's like I don't know. Check out our Facebook page about people's war in Canada yeah. or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. yeah, I also like the idea of the reconstitution of the Communist Party of Canada because there is a Communist Party of Canada. So it's like, it's like, yeah, but that, they're the fake ones. Yeah, so we're not we don't count that. So it's like, I don't know. There's actually two of them, but like, so it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It just, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. I completely forgot about that stuff for like five years or something. <laughs> I got to get back into it. So nice, cool. Well, um. I guess that'll wrap it up for that topic. Do we want to do some questions? Sure. All right. Well, this is kind of important. Um, This is a notice. It says, this is an attorney that works for Herbalife. We are asking that you stop using the term Herbaleft. If you do not, we will sue you into next Tuesday. We will give you a new asshole just so we can fuck that asshole with our lawsuits. That's very Mm -hmm. um, graphic. I, I don't like that at all. Yeah, I don't yeah. really speak legalese. I don't know. What... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing or not. Is there a special Muslim way to brush your teeth? Uh, kind of. There is something called the miswak, which is a. It's like the. A, it's a twig. Kind of wood. Yeah, it's like a twig from a certain kind of plant that they used for you know essentially brushing their teeth back in those 
days. And also and kind of flossing because of the way that the fibers, that's why they use that particular plant because the fibers, you can kind of like gnaw on it and get it between your teeth. So it's an effective uh, tooth cleaner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's a sunnah to, to use this. So people will do it out of, you know, just emulation of the prophet. But uh, yeah, you don't have to use it or anything but i want like the to prophet, it sounds really nice <laughs> it, it, it's yeah it's supposed to be very good like it's not just like some you know just some random stick like it, it has certain <laughs> properties in the, the plant or whatever mm-hmm. that are actually like good for this and uh, the mm. prophet really loved his miswalk he 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 actually like nicknamed all his personal possessions and stuff and i don't remember the nickname for this but um he used to constantly be using it and when he was dying on his deathbed, one of the last things that he asked his wife to do was to use the miswak on his mouth because he was in too much pain and too weak to do it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something that uh, that Muslims believe that God loves. You know, the prophet told us that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, how about this one? Is it possible to be both religious and dark and brooding at the same time? I'm evidence of this. Yeah, I think this is the whole uh, premise of our show here. Yeah. I mean, the the whole goth period. Like, the whole goth period of, like, you know. Like, people, it's being retconned to be about vampires and stuff, but it was actually about religious people, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Let's see. Okay, I'm a good Jew. Will I get to go to heaven? Uh, with With any of these questions about you know, specifically, will I go to heaven? I'm this, that, I believe this, that, or the other thing. I've done this or that. It's all up to God. No one can say that. Like, at least in, in, from my perspective. So like, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I hope, I hope everybody does. That isn't just like a complete piece of trash, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that good people have, have a fair chance. You know, God is all merciful. So, you got that going for you. <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm going to take your side on this one. I don't know. Uh, all right. How about this one? After the pandemic is over, will the two of you drive to Brazil? For a long time, I've wanted to you to drive to Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> is this uh, someone from that uh, that cult? What's What's the name of John of God or whatever his name is? Oh, oh! I, I thought you were talking about the Get Fiscal Fans Brazil account. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I didn't know they had gotten that crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I think we should like motorcycle down there, like Che Guevara. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mm-hmm. an idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that he was like specifically saying to drive to Brazil. Like, there's something about driving there as opposed to taking the airplane. Well, that's right. There is. Mm-hmm. You know. Hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't got a lot going on. So just do that. Yeah, I'd like to check out Brazil someday. I haven't ever been to South America or even Central America. You know, I've always, like, it's, on this side of the planet, I've only been in North America. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it would be cool. Okay. Well, I guess that'll do it for this episode. Uh, thanks for coming on again, Agile Tablet. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. 
If you guys enjoyed this episode and you'd like a second episode every week, you can subscribe to our Patreon and you'll get that, as well as access to our Discord where you can chat with us in our lovely community. And if you want to submit us an anonymous question, you can do that by going to our Twitter account, which is at you can win at you can't win pod and there is a pinned tweet there which will link you to the curious cat thanks for listening and we'll catch you again next time thanks guys bye